direct conversation, some deep reactions, please. All this comics narration ain't me. A little more talk, a lot less read. A little five babies of what I need. Close the trade, open up your brains. Explain it to me. Explain it to me, baby. Explain it to me. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Ret Conversations. My name is Josh Wasta, a.k.a. Fallout Theory. Uh, my lovely co-host is with me, as always, the, the Professor L. Lay Cameron. Hey, Leia. <laughs> What's up, everybody? And so today we're going to be finishing our Spider-Man 3 Pete. <laughs> we're, uh, we're at the end of the tunnel. Uh, we've already been through Clone Wars, or Clone Saga, and, uh, and Sin's Path, so it's been pretty painful. And today <laughs> we're going to hit one more day uh, and a story about Peter Parker and Mary Jane uh, selling their marriage. Uh, and for this show, what better guest could we have than my MJ, the person that I would have to sell my marriage for? Um, a, a story about selling marriages? Why is it perfect? <laughs> my oh. wife, Jennifer Howland. <laughs> Hello. And, uh, for the first time auditing uh, the Rec Conversation show, uh, the last of the graphically novel hosts for, uh, forming the foursome that is this uh, this host network of the graphically novel uh, family. Verse. Bears here. Hey, they let me come back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, the, it's the GN-verse. The GN-verse, nice. Ooh. Yeah, not in 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 no way is it uh, is it Snyder involved with it at all. No, no. I think we can <laughs> no, stop still, logging. <laughs> we're, still, we're still looking for the Usman cut. That's right. That's right. Uh, so we're going to be doing one more day. Uh, I've already said too much. Uh, so <laughs> if this is your first episode, uh, this is how this goes. Um, I in this case I uh, will be the main instructor taking Jennifer through the plot of this comic at any point she has the power to stop the entire show to ask a question that question could be who's that guy that question could be what would be the motivations for doing something like that or it could be what the fuck? we get that one a lot uh at that point her question will be answered by professor l my partner leia who uh can also you know call me in if she needs to but for the most part we'll be handling all of the questions therefore we have the three of us now our auditor will probably just throw out smart ass comments That's throughout this show what i do usually so <laughs> yeah so uh this should be a, a pretty good one so i've got my eight pages of notes on this so Sweet jesus and this does require a little bit of a preface so previous on Rhett Conversation. <laughs> Just so you have a little bit of understanding of some of the things that have happened. Uh, this is the end of J. Michael Straczynski's year run on Spider-Man. Uh, you know, he uh, he did Babylon 5 and then he decided to do a bunch of Spider-Man. I don't know. Uh, but he introduced some concepts. And the, the first one that will uh, definitely be involved in this is the concept of the other. It was a storyline in which you find out that the spider that bit Peter Parker, uh, the reason that he got power was not because the spider was radioactive, but because it was an ancient totem spider that people had been using for generations. And uh, this caused him to go into a cocoon. He emerged with organic webs. Uh, it was Wait, the whole thing. Him out. <laughs> Spiders don't go into cocoons. Okay, well, that's he did. It was a web cocoon. This oh, is a like science-based comic series. Kind of like an egg sack. Okay, <laughs> carry on. Uh, along in this run, also, there were a couple things that happened uh, where Aunt May found out that Peter was uh, Spider-Man. Uh, Really, the status quo didn't change that much, except she had the most Aunt May response I'd ever seen. And the first thing she did was cancel her subscription to the Daily Bugle. <laughs> like, by personally going down to the newspaper office and canceling. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's a whole thing with the Avengers just pre-Civil War where um, Tony Stark basically says if you're an Avenger, you could, you and your family can live in Avengers Tower. So there's an entire part where Mary Jane, Aunt May, and Peter are all living in Avengers Tower. Um, this will be important later because Aunt May struck up a, an awesome friendship with Jarvis. Uh, of course she did. Tony Stark's butler. Uh, yes, because they were the oldest people other than Wolverine. Well, in and there. Jarvis is just 
amazing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, uh, Wolverine, uh, through this whole thing, not really relevant to this story, but was flirting with Mary Jane every opportunity he got because there was a redhead in the tower. Uh, uh, an unattainable redhead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe not. We will find out. Or I will find out. You will find out. <laughs> so then we skate right into Civil War. Now, we did an entire episode on Civil War. It was our first episode of Red Conversations with the wonderful uh, Mike Thomzak. Um, The thing that you need to remember for this uh, or know is just that Peter Parker revealed his secret identity to the world at a press conference to sign up for uh, the Superhero Registration Act. Uh, On Tony's behest, Tony basically guaranteed him that all of his family would be safe. Uh, Halfway through Civil War, Peter Parker bounced out of that side, joined Captain America's side, and lost all of those protections. So, with all of that, we start into one more day. Shortly after Civil War, uh, you know, Peter is a fugitive. Uh, The Kingpin obviously knows who he is now because he has told everyone. The Kingpin hires an assassin named Jake Martino to kill Peter. The assassin, instead, while shooting, Peter gets his spider sense, he dives, saves Mary Jane, and Aunt May gets shot. Um, So, this starts with Peter taking Aunt May to the hospital. Because he's using a fake identity, and therefore so is MJ and so is May, he has no insurance. So the doctor basically tells him that uh, if they don't have a way to pay or don't have a way to prove that they can pay, she'll be moved to the charity care ward um, where basically it'll be up to Medicaid or, or a random charity to cover her uh, bills or she'll basically die. Um, what is this, Chicago? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I found this very realistic. I was like, yeah. <laughs> right? So Peter leaves to, quote, go visit someone with a bottomless checkbook. Uh, the doctor stops him outside in the hall, and he tells Peter that he had an uncle who almost died two years ago, uh, but he only survived because he was rescued by Spider-Man. The doctor kind of holds up a newspaper where Peter revealed himself to be Spider-Man and is like, you're not fooling anybody. Um, so the doctor vows to hide May as long as he can from, like, the, the administration in the hospital, um, you know, because he's, he, he's always wanted to protect turn the favor to Peter. Peter then breaks into Stark Tower. Uh, Iron Man, obviously Tony is watching on the on the security cameras, does, can't tell that it is Peter because it's in shadow. So in full Iron Man outfit, he flies into Peter and through a window. Like, just no uh, hesitation on force whatsoever, uh, not even knowing who this is. Discovers it's Peter. Peter uh, webs the uh, foot jets on Tony Stark's suit uh, and they start to fall and plummet to their depths. Uh, Tony uses his hand thrusters to stop their fall and basically Peter uses that uh, power drain that he's caused as an opportunity to punch Tony in his helmet face uh, which leaves like a blood smear off of Peter's hand because he just punched a metal helmet. Uh, Questions? Yep. Um, Why did he break into Stark Tower to attack him? Leia. Uh, That's because because uh, Tony Stark has a bottomless checkbook, you see. Well, that's what I thought. But then why would he... Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Why wouldn't he use the door? <laughs> yeah, uh, why wouldn't he, like, why would he break in? If he's asking for money, why would he break in? And then when he, Iron Man, who he knows is Tony Stark, attacks him, why does he attack him? It, it, does, it does seem a little whack that, um, you know, ostensibly you're, you're going to somebody's house to ask for money. Um, but, you know, to, to do so, you destroy a bunch of their property mm-hmm. and uh, beat the piss out of them um in order to to then ask them for money it does seem very counterintuitive i would never do that um <laughs> but i mean you know. are they in hell's kitchen is that what they are <laughs> no 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 it's not irish mob style asking for money no it's not like would- protection money <laughs> Yeah, like like it, it's uh it is it is very counterintuitive. I also was confused as to why he just didn't use the door. Um, but or pick uh, up the phone, maybe. Right. Yeah. Or or you you know shoot him a text or right. You know right. what have you. Um, but my uh my understanding is is very literally this was just done for dramatic purposes and no other reason. Gotcha. All also, right. they are not the best of friends after civil war. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're not they're not good buddies. But still, I mean, I feel like you still would probably use the door in that situation like 99.9 percent of people would still use the goddamn door but right comics <laughs> we're, Got not, it. we're not we're not so much on the best friend on the best friends <laughs> uh tony uh then goes to hit Peter with a full maximum power unibeam, unlike mm-hmm. his big attack out of the middle of his chest. 
and Peter, for the first time since he's gotten organic webbing, goes, well, I've never really seen the limitations of how much webbing I can throw out of my hands uh, with this organic thing, so let's find out. Because he's blinded by the Unibeam, he just kind of blindly sprays Tony with uh, webbing. Are they on the ground now? They're on a rooftop. Okay. Uh, and he completely cocoons Tony into a giant thing of webbing that is suspending him in the air. Um, like a snack? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Tony keeps trying to talk Peter into turning himself in, basically saying, you're a criminal, you know, somebody's going to get you eventually. Um, Peter yells at him to shut up and basically reaches through the webbing and pulls Tony's helmet off of his head and tosses it to the side because he wants to have a conversation with him face to face. Sorry. <laughs> he tells him Aunt May is dying and it's his fault because he told Peter that exposing himself would keep them safe and now she's been hurt because of that and he can't pay for her care. Uh, Peter says he won't let her die and that Tony needs to help until he can find a way to save her life. Um, Tony says anything he could or would do would be tracked back to him and he would be aiding and abetting a known criminal. He's not willing to undermine everything Civil War was about. He then allows Peter to walk away this one time. Yeah. Like, that's not going to get back to <laughs> uh, Peter goes back to the hospital, tells MJ he'll do anything that's required to get the money. MJ picks up on what he's saying and, and says, don't go down that path. He says he's already a wanted criminal, and what difference would it make if he went and robbed the bank? Uh, this is cut short by the appearance of Jarvis, who says that he heard that his cousin, May Morgan from Blackpool, was admitted to the hospital and he's there to to care for her Aww. um he gets emotional looking at may like through the hospital mirror uh and actually states that he loves her Aww. um it's the really doctors sweet. arrive oh, what it's really, it's really sweet, sweet. It, it is the doctors arrive to move may and jarvis presents them a check for two million dollars uh, yeah. you're watching the cw right <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so regardless of all of that, the doctor still kind of pulls Peter aside and starts to prepare him to face May's immediate death because she's old and shot and her body just probably will not recover from right. all the trauma. Uh, MJ stays with May while Peter goes in costume to Dr. Strange's house. Dr. Strange explains that his magic can't be used in a in a magic healing way. Like there are consequences right. to all of that. Uh, and her death is inevitable eventually. Interrupting that is not something within his purview. Um, he will, however, use an artifact called the Hands of the Dead to allow Peter to basically go several places at once in space, wherever he wants to go. Um, so Peter has conversations with several people in the Marvel Universe all at the same time, basically trying to figure out who can help. Uh, and there's a pretty cool panel where he's talking with everybody, but some of the names, some of the people that he's talking to in this panel are Dr. Doom, Reed Richards, Doc Ock, Black Panther, Mr. Sinister, the High Evolutionary, Hank Pim and Night Nurse. Okay, two two characters I don't know. The High Evolutionary? Um, the High Evolutionary, as I recall, is kind of, and Josh, you can help me out on this because I'm not super familiar, uh, but as I recall, he's kind of like... It's really hard to explain. He's kind of like a like a god figure, but he's not a god. Um, yeah, and, usually it's so, uh, associated with aim. Yeah, and, and and he's he's kind of in charge of like humanity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah kind of like but yet still a villain right yeah but also he's a bad guy it's i don't know us a, a, a ton about him admittedly but he's got a very nebulous sort of authoritative demigod sort of role if that makes sense right um and all of he's he's big science yeah you know same level as like reed richards and dr doom although dr doom takes science and magic and is like fuck bitches I, i'm everything <laughs> okay and then uh night nurse night nurse um she is I know a little bit more about her she's actually like a uh, hangover from kind of the old school days um, that has been in several storylines and basically her uh, her job is um, she is very literally a night nurse. She takes care of superheroes after they have been like beaten up or wounded. She's she's kind of like the EMS services for street level superheroes. They never called her this, but it was Rosario Dawson in the Netflix I was series. going to say, it wasn't a series, it was a movie, well, wasn't it? No, the no Netflix, Daredevil. Uh, like Daredevil oh, and, oh. and 
and Luke Cage and all of those, that's Night Nurse. Claire is Night Nurse. Okay. I was thinking of the movie that was like the, the, um, Jodie Foster was the nurse and it was like this high security where the criminals all went. Oh, um, Hotel Artemis. Yeah. Hotel Artemis. That's yeah. what I was kind of like that, but not like with the services. Yes, with the like secrecy and and all mm. of that stuff. No, um, right? Yeah, basically Claire from okay. from the the um, defender stuff. Yeah, okay. yeah. So all of them say the same thing. There's nothing they can do to to save May. Uh, Peter gets back and is kind of disoriented. Um, you know, and he, and he asks if that's the only kind of thing that the artifact does, and he says, "Well, it takes you through space and time, but we're not going to mess with time. Like, let's." So he's disoriented. It's so strange. It's like, you know what, Peter? I'll go get you a drink. We'll we'll keep talking. While he's out of the room, basically, like, Peter's like, hmm, artifact. Peter, yes! <laughs> like, <laughs> grabs the artifact. Uh, because Peter is scientist and, uh, and and super smart, one of the things he talks about is, um, this is where science and magic are similar. Um, generally, both people will speak Latin. Yeah. <laughs> so he's, like, memorized the incantation right. that Strange said. So he uses them and goes back in time, um, but he's only in a spectral form. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's witnessing events, but he can't interact with anyone. Uh, and he goes back to where Aunt May is going to get shot and is looking at the assassin about to shoot at the hotel room where they're at. Um, so this is where he like tries to jump at the guy, finds out he can't interact with anything. But then a black fang spirit creature shows up and it just starts kicking his ass. So this thing can hit him. He can't hit back. Um, and uh, long story short, while he's in a fight with these things and he's trying to save Aunt May from getting shot, he just ends up witnessing the shooting again. Uh, Strange pulls him back, um, I'm, I'm sure, really pissed, <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, says that those creatures are called Nightwalkers and they live on the edges of space and time to prevent anyone from changing destiny. So this kind of has locked in, you know, this is meant to be. Uh, Strange takes Peter uh, to a past sanctum to heal him. Um, Peter asks Strange, okay, well, why can you heal me in this spirit form and not May? And he says, magical cures for magical ills. So it's kind of like the, uh, the not Dawn, what was the name of uh, Willow's girlfriend in Buffy? Tara. Tara. Like Tara getting shot. And basically, you know, <clears throat> it was a mortal, mortal death. Um, Strange transports them back and recommends to Peter that he go and say goodbye to May. Um, On Peter's way out of the hospital, a little girl approaches him and says, even if Dr. Strange can't help Peter, she can. Yeah, it's real weird. She says, uh, do we know who this little girl is? Never seen her before. Okay, no. She says, Peter saves people all the time, and it's time for someone rescued him. Uh, Peter says he's at the end of his rope, and the girl says, he hasn't even seen the rope, but she'll show it to him. And does he want to save May or not? Yeah. Yeah. Creepy kid times a thousand. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they continue to talk. Uh, suddenly, uh, the girl calls Peter selfish and says he puts his pain at the center of the universe and the whole world has to pay for his pain because making his pain feel big makes him feel big. And then the girl runs into an alley. Yes. This, it's this pretty is much that, that, that quick, too. Like, it's just like, talk, talk, talk. You're selfish. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, like out of nowhere, out of absolutely nowhere, like in one panel, she's she's having a nice time. They're having a decent conversation. And then like, bam, next panel, she's like, also, you're a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> like, very weird. This kid also appears to be about, I, I'm I'm guessing, about like eight or nine years old. So young. Yeah, little girl, red hair. Mm-hmm. Um, so when Peter follows into the alley, the girl is gone. And there's a middle-aged guy sitting there, kind of looks like Stephen King, reading <laughs> Atlas Shrugged. Of course he is. <laughs> uh, when Peter asks where the little girl is... <laughs> when Peter asks where the little girl is, the guy is like, eh, she disappears and reappears all the time. Okay. <laughs> uh, then, then Peter, when Peter asks who the man is, he doesn't give a name, but he says he's a software designer and tester for video games. Um, when Peter's like, okay, well, that must be fun. The man says people seek out games because they, uh, the world no longer offers people like him the chance to be heroes. Yeah, there's uh, like, and this there's dude's like a just, lot. This dude's just chilling in the alley reading. On oh, no, a bench. Yeah. There's yeah, a bench just... in the alley. It's yeah. Kind of, yeah, it's kind of like you go through the alley and then there's like, you know, the, the garden areas in 
between apartments, like squares, like a little plant and like a bench. Okay. So okay. it's not really an alley. It's kind of like a pedestrian pass through. It between looks buildings. like an alley when she runs into it. Like dumpsters and shit. I, I did not notice any dumpsters. <laughs> it, was a, it, was a, it was a thin corridor between two buildings. Okay. What do you want from me? Yeah. Like kind of, kind of like a courtyard, but not if that makes any sense. Like, right. Like a, like a throughway. Okay. Well, I've changed my mental perception of a, you know, puddle, dirty, smelly alley with dumpsters and like back doors into shops into like a pedestrian walkway to a little, okay. Got it. Yeah. So uh, the man goes on to say um, that people like him play video games and read books to experience the world they were promised and never got. Yeah. There's a lot of personal attacks on uh, gamers and gaming uh, for like a couple pages. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he goes on to say if he was a hero, he'd be grateful and wouldn't ask for more. Mm-hmm. Okay. It is at this point that a Mercedes pulls up and like the dude in the backseat, Grey Poupon style, like rolls down <laughs> his window and uh, tells Peter he saw the little girl and invites Peter into the car and he'll give him a lift to go get her. How did he know that Peter was looking for the little girl? And yet is Peter suspicious at all about any of this? He's sure not. <laughs> Weirdly not. Like, I don't know. I mean, you know, because I had this moment while I was reading that where I was like, okay, so me, anytime a strange man rolls up on me and asks me to get in his car, I call 911. Um, but like You're also not a white dude. Yes, also that. Uh so yes, my my reaction is going to inherently be different uh to that kind of casual, hey, get in the car. You know, you want to see this puppy I found or whatever. Uh free candy. Um <laughs> And Peter and just like <laughs> Peter's just like, yeah, man, I'll take a ride from you, strange guy in a limo or whatever. Like it's it's very strange. And he doesn't ask questions. He doesn't say, wait, how do you know who I'm looking for? He just right. gets it. I mean, that adds like another layer of what the fuck is going on. WTF, <laughs> mate. <laughs> Yes, yes, it does. But there's a reason for this, and I'm sure Josh will get into it soon. Okay. I sure will. Uh, So Peter gets into the car, uh, and it has, like, the guy's sitting in the car, and he has, like, three of those stark floating screens, like those Mm. hologram screens, like, in front of him, and he's looking at stocks and stuff, and, uh, yeah. So he's a a very important dude. Apparently. Uh, He's He's got a lot going on in his GameStop portfolio. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So the man offers Peter a drink. Peter refuses, saying it's not that he doesn't drink, but as a rule, he chooses not to. Wow. Was that necessary? Can you just say no thank you? Yeah, I also thought that was weird. And I was going to ask you if, Josh, is there, is that like a thing for, for Spider-Man? Because I don't think I've ever really seen it outside of this comic. In no fucking way, shape or form. Okay. Because I was like. Absolutely not. I was like, that's weird that all of a sudden it's like teetotaler Peter. Okay. Yeah. No, he, he on the reg goes out to like Josie's bar. And, sure. And has, has drinks. So exactly. Yeah. I was very confused. I was like, "Is this a new thing?" And I just missed it. Nope. For for whatever reason, he's a he's he's a total total uh, no fun Peter Parker in this art. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the man basically says, "Oh, I used to be like that too." And it's interesting where our choices lead us. Okay. And mm-hmm. so while they're they dri- a little heavy handed with the foreshadowing, huh? <laughs> while they're driving down the block, uh, the man looks out the window and says, "He grew up in this neighborhood. He was." bullied and ridiculed for being smart and once he started developing patents and became rich he hired most of the people who bullied him and now he's given them a reason to despise him did he just get into the car with vincent d'onofrio possibly <laughs> okay yeah i think if vincent d'onofrio rolled up on me and said that little girl you're looking i'm like i what can i get in your car please <laughs> <laughs> you got some brains stuck in the inseam of your door here <laughs> well, this a little gooey <laughs> Uh, Peter says it must be nice, uh, and he must be happy to have everything he ever wanted. And the man responds, he doesn't have everything he ever wanted. One of the women from high school was all he ever wanted, and he would trade it all for her. I also need to point out, too, that this guy looks, like, older. Like, he's, he's. I would yeah. peg him maybe, like, in his 60s or 70s. Yeah, um, praying temples, he... like, the whole... Like, Jay Jonah Jameson? He yeah, actually does like... kind of look like him a little bit, yeah. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, not as, I mean, he's a little more, not round, but a little more filled out. Um, So the man points Peter to another alleyway and says, uh, and and basically says, 
who you're looking for is down there. And then Peter like looks at the alleyway, looks back, the guy's gone. Guy car gone. Um, Wait, was he in the car? They they yes. basically get out of the car and he uh, points at an alleyway and is like, go there. Okay. And then guy car gone. Uh, so uh, Peter starts to walk down the alleyway and a shadowy figure of a woman appears and says she's been waiting for Peter her whole life. His whole uh, life. His whole life. You're right. Uh, he, he basically corrects her and is like, if you're trying to hit on me, shouldn't it have been your whole life? Like... <laughs> has this whole kind of exchange that was weird. Um, Peter said, since he walked into the neighborhood, it's felt like he's been in a dream. Um, and the woman asks him how he knows it's not. And then there's a weird, way outdated for 2007 Dallas Kafka joke. Are you like, if I'm gonna, am I gonna wake up in the shower as J.R. Ewing? Yeah. And am I gonna wake up as a cockroach? Well, okay. Yeah, just yeah. weird. Um, and when did this comic come out? 2007. Yeah, old enough to know better basically. <laughs> yes. Uh, the woman explains that Destiny is a series of events uh, that take place as strands. You remove one strand and the whole life can change. For example, the strand where the spider landed on Peter and bit him. If it were removed, he could have become either of the two men that he just met. Um, the woman then says that she's the only one who can says save May and reveals herself to be Mephisto. Dun, dun, dun. This is where Mephisto was fucking off and not in WandaVision, apparently. <laughs> uh, when Peter guesses, ah, so you want my soul, Mephisto says, says that uh, he doesn't do that anymore because it's no fun. Because people who make that deal suffer in hell, but they suffer righteously knowing that they saved someone. Uh, yes. And he now deals in misery and relishes the chances to get souls, quote, straight up. <laughs> Peter says he can't make a decision like that without MJ, which Mephisto is like, oh, yes, absolutely. She's right behind that door over there and points to a hotel that they're suddenly at, like a motel that yeah. they're suddenly at. Uh, yeah, they're in the Super Peter, 8 doing deals with Mephisto. Who amongst us cannot say that they have done the same? <laughs> Typical Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah. I, too, was once in my 20s. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Peter basically like opens the door into the motel room where Mephisto is having the exact same conversation with MJ and MJ is saying, I can't make a decision like that without Peter. Yeah. Well, at least they're on the same page. Uh, Peter and MJ ask what Mephisto wants, if not their souls. And Mephisto says he wants what will cause them the most pain. What gives them the annoying strength that sustains them in despair. He wants their marriage. Peter immediately starts to be like, no, but MJ says, no, no, hear him out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, let's, asked, let's give this guy a minute. Let's hear what he has to say. <laughs> right? She asked what the terms are, and Mephisto says that they will be allowed one more day to enjoy the world as it is. After that, uh, the world will change. They will remember nothing. They won't remember the deal, and they won't remember their past lives. The only part of them that will remember is a tiny sliver of their souls and that, that will know, and that piece will scream for all of eternity. And he'll basically just turn that to his Spotify and decide that's that's his <laughs> that's his jam now. Hit that track on repeat. <laughs> that's right. He about to drop a fire album. <laughs> he gives them until midnight tomorrow to make the choice: their marriage or Aunt May. Any questions at this point? Uh, no. But I, yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, all right. Here's one. How old is Aunt May? She is like in her eighties. She's like, yeah, not coming back from getting shot old. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. She's so, she's she's, ex she's lived a long full life at this point. So they're idiots. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. So Aunt yeah. May could have fallen down the stairs and broken her hip and died. And yes, but oh, that yeah, wouldn't this have... could end. This could end like Twilight Zone yeah. level. Right. Like, right. She and, stayed and... for a day and then gets into an elevator. Right. Yeah, and that, and then like on top of it too, um, the driving force here for Peter, his his big motivation is that um, he feels that he is personally responsible for what happened to May um, because it, had he never uh, revealed himself in Civil War, um, you know, people who wanted to hurt him wouldn't have come after his family. Um, so so the fact that she got shot and didn't like I don't know uh, have you know pancreatic cancer or fall down the stairs or or you know suffer from from alzheimer's or whatever uh, those wouldn't have been his fault but her getting shot is his fault and he feels personally responsible for that that's why he's so balls to the wall about this okay so um next scene you see peter waking up like in bed and reaching for mj and she's not in, in there so he kind of gets out of bed and she's kind of just standing in the bathroom door barely holding it together um and they talk about 
she actually MJ brings up May's age and it is like, you know, don't hate me for bringing this up, but you know, she's lived a good time. Could this just be her time to go? Right. Um, and Peter says that if it were a natural death, he could accept it, but knowing it was a bullet meant for him would tear him apart. Um, which MJ's like, okay, so if I say that we shouldn't do this, I'm going to be the reason that you're torn apart. So there's really no choice here. And Peter's like, no, if we make the decision together, I, I would be able to let her go. Um, well, there you go. One would think. <laughs> but, uh, it, yeah, and it's weird because they're supposed to have, like, it doesn't actually show what they do with their last day. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. then they're in front of Mephisto again. Okay. Uh, and they talk to Mephisto, and MJ just brings up Peter's secret identity and is like, how do we know that somebody's not going to just come and kill us all next week, you know? Um, and Mephisto um, basically, like, kind of sidesteps that and is basically like, listen, do you want the deal or not? Yeah. May doesn't have time. Um, MJ accepts the deal, but says that there will be a caveat to it and says, you need to restore his secret identity. Um, if you're going to do this part, you need to do the next part. Mephisto asks why he would do that. And MJ goes up and just whispers in his ear. So we have no idea what she said. And Mephisto accepts. Um, but then he tells Peter... Peter also needs to accept the deal because um, he only has confirmation. Right. Um, Peter's kind of hemming and hawing, and MJ tells him to be her hero and, and agree. I can be your hero, baby. <laughs> uh, and he says, do it. Mephisto says he's surprised that Peter didn't ask who the shadowy woman in the alley was that he was appearing as. And Peter's like, oh, yeah, I really don't care about her. What about the little girl? Who was the little girl? To which Mephisto says, that's the child that they will now never have. She would have been the best part of both of them. And uh, Peter's like, I'm gonna kick your ass. <laughs> and, and, and Mephisto's like, okay, deal done, bye. Uh, <laughs> Peter, why, why are you such an idiot? <laughs> uh, so like basically there is the midnight chimes are, are going through. And in the last moment, MJ says it won't matter that nothing can or will keep them apart. Not even God or the devil. Uh, yeah. They say, I love you to one another. And Peter wakes up alone in bed. Okay. Uh, strong downstairs. Mary Jane. It's <laughs> a strong blasphemous words for Mary Jane. Right. <laughs> he goes downstairs and Aunt May is cooking breakfast. Uh, he grabs food and gets on his bicycle to head to a surprise party that someone is having. He is still a mid-30s man, by the way. Okay. No longer has like a car or anything, just a bicycle. Um, Maybe he's just seeing conscious. Maybe. His impact on the environment. Uh, he gets to a very nice apartment. Apartment, uh, with like a doorman and everything and is uh, sent upstairs where he's greeted by Flash Thompson his old high school bully who is now his friend uh, MJ is there like basically staring daggers at Peter and being very cold to him and Flash refers to something happening between them and is like she's still pissed huh <laughs> and Peter like is about to like go into what happened between them when the surprise happens like the person they're surprising comes in and it's Harry Osborne, who previous to this, I believe, was dead. Yeah, he was dead. Uh, so now Harry's okay and everybody's friends. And uh, Harry brings his new girlfriend over to Flash and Peter and introduces them. And her name is Lily Hollister. And then she has a friend named Carly Cooper who seems to be interested in Peter right away and starts like flirting with him. Um, and as uh, Carly and Peter are talking, MJ like gets in the elevator and leaves and bounces. I also want to point out real quick too that the uh, the reason for this surprise prize parties because Harry is back from Europe. In right. one panel he mentions or implies that he was in Europe for rehab and now that he is done with rehab he is opening up some champagne because rehab was very boring. <laughs> Oh my god. Like, it's oh, I was just I read that and I was like, uh so the, well, the wow. author, yeah, the author seems to be having some issues with uh drinking, perhaps. <laughs> well, and also Harry then offers Peter like the first pour out of the champagne bottle, uh -huh. and Peter just holds the empty glass and goes, No, no, thank you. And Harry's like, oh, <laughs> same old Peter. In, yeah, in this yeah, in this short series, I'm a teetotaler, as you know, and everybody's like, ah, that's right, you are. <laughs> Very weird. <laughs> Uh, okay. Harry then proposes a toast and everyone in the room holds up champagne glasses and cheers to a brand new day. Yeah. Okey-dokey. And that is the end. Yeah, that's the end of one it. more that's day. The, that's the it. Next, that's, that's the plot. The next whole part is called Brand New Day. Okay. <laughs> 
Peter Parker is an idiot. Uh-huh. <laughs> if if there's one thing I've learned um over the past uh three episodes that we've done um on on various Spider-Man plots is that yes, Peter Parker is a big ding dong. Yeah. Um <laughs> oh my god so yeah no i i'm i would i'd be pissed too if i were mary jane (laughs) well and and i also want to point out too that that uh this is this so this is only four issues right this is only four issues so it's a very very short series um that was universe almost universally panned by anybody who ever read it and the creators would like and ended up essentially like disavowing it entirely because this was a hundred percent management meddling and not like a storyline that somebody really wanted to write. This was a hundred percent like um, you know people in the bullpen uh, wanting to essentially make Peter Parker more relatable to to the kids. Right, because um, you can't be relatable if you're married. Yeah. Was- this is Joe Casada, who we talked about last episode with Sin's past, um, and and deciding that uh, Gwen Stacy having a child or two children with Norman Osborn would be consensual sex and and all would be you know just the shot in the arm that the Spider Man line needed. Who, who amongst us has not fucked their friend's dad? <laughs> I'm still not over that. Yeah, right. I, I seen to the, cheer him up. Right, to because cheer him up because he's sad. <laughs> yeah, I've seen American Beauty. I've seen Brazers. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so bad. Yeah. Uh, so this was the also the last of, of Straczynski's six-year run. Uh, he has universally disavowed it and said it was yeah. stupid. Um, the more important thing, though, is it's not necessarily disavowed by Marvel because 14 years later, it's still a thing. Uh, yeah. Um, the the most recent run um, seems to start to be resolving it, um, which I'm not going to give a lot away with that plot, but it's actually been pretty good. Like a lot of stuff happened to Harry where he realizes he was dead. It's kind of very Hawkeye in uh, in House of M, mm-hmm. uh, and he is not having it. Uh, <laughs> not so, having a good time with that, huh? Yeah. They should start a support group. <laughs> I think it was three it would have been three years later there was another series that was just like three issues but it was called one moment in time uh that dealt directly with this if you take the initials of that it is omit (laughs) (laughs) uh and it was a lot more on kind of the rules of the deal because what you find out is like nobody period knows spider-man and peter parker are the same person like across the board down to it may down to everybody and the only way that he can make people remember is if he willingly takes off his mask in front of them and and chooses to show them who he is uh he does it notably with a fantastic four and then all of a sudden they're like all like oh hey peter yeah yeah totally now we remember that we knew who you were that's so weird yeah 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 it's it's not better like there is nothing (laughs) moving forward that is better so that's, yeah, that's that's, uh, that's one more day. Oh, it yeah. it was. I mean, it, I I can definitely say that. Um, I appreciated the shortness of this particular arc. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which um, is why this will be a much much shorter show in episode in general because we didn't have you know. I had probably more notes, but they weren't like things that you would have questions on other than what, why? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that like my overall takeaway is seriously WTF mate. Like why would you even do this? It's not. Right. Yeah. Like, like, and even the reasoning behind it is real weird. And again, like, you know, I touched on this in a previous episode, but like Mary Jane and, and Peter's relationship is, is pretty consistently established as being like really healthy and really good they clearly love each other um and and they deeply care about one another um but these comics also seemed really determined to like um essentially punish mary jane for that yes yeah (laughs) and and it's and it's very it's a like mary jane has done nothing wrong like leave that leave that poor woman alone um (laughs) you know and 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 peter always finds a way to to spectacularly fuck it up while also kind of making it seem like even though they have this good relationship and they love each other and they care about each other it also kind of seems like peter is ready to just toss that in the garbage at any given moment over the smallest fucking thing (laughs) well and it's real weird In this, Peter never actually makes any choices. Yeah, yeah. Everything is presented to him. And then Mary Jane is the one that, like, she's the first one to bring up, hey, Aunt May is fucking old. Yeah. And shot. And could get shot again. (laughs) 
like she is the only one to really bring any decision making or even thought process into any of this. She's the one that first chooses to make the deal with Mephisto. She's the one that adds in the caveat about the secret identity. You know, she's the one that encourages Peter to go along with it at the at, at the end. It's yeah, yeah, it's weird. It is weird, but I also get I got the distinct impression, and I mean, I guess everybody's mileage may vary on this, but like I got the distinct impression that she made all those choices because um because of what Peter had initially said is that like you know if Aunt May dies you know his whole life is ruined and you know split in two and, and all this other stuff and she's like well I don't want to be fucking responsible for that so I guess this is what we're gonna do then you know what FYI, I mean like Aunt May has been dead twice before. <laughs> uh- <laughs> I mean, but I wonder too. I, I wonder if that whole like making it seem like MJ is the one making these decisions was done to prevent it seeming like Spider-Man Peter Parker is railroading her into this decision. Oh yeah, like if, I'm, if I'm she's certain. you know yeah you know that that like if basically she made it look like it, it was his idea essentially you know and 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 and, uh or i'm sorry that looked like it was her idea um, right basically because um you know otherwise you know peter would just resent her essentially for for choosing their marriage and their love for each other over an elderly lady who again like you said i mean yeah okay she could recover but then like the following week she could fall down the stairs right (laughs) yeah like it's not really in the grand scheme of things, you know, I'm not saying I'm not saying let the old lady die, but I, I am saying like it's not it's not actually fixing or solving anything. Even though yeah, on the surface, right. the very barest surface, it does appear to be fixing or solving something. But ultimately, get, like in that 24 hour time period where they had their final day, somebody should have given it more than 30 seconds of deep thought. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's all like, I'm saying. I love my abuela. My abuela is a wonderful, one of the purest parts on the planet. Yes, yeah, she's a sweet woman. She's a very sweet woman. <laughs> But as, if as like a, as a rule, if, abuelas are the best. Right. But if there was gonna be something that's like, well, we could dissolve you in Jen's marriage uh and and save her this one time with oh my no God. guarantees. She would murder you where you stand. <laughs> also true. Also true. I You'd would get the chancla. <laughs> I would get the chancla. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So Dr. Scholl's chancla, too. Like the eye is fucking around. I got Arch's chancla. <laughs> heavy duty if if you ever considered not being married for her yeah she would like go for self right well and that's that's another part that kind of weird is that yeah may's in a coma but i mean you're the writer of this she could come out of it in long enough for you to have a conversation with her right right there's like hey by the way agency old lady like what do you think and then she'd be like are you out of your fucking mind yeah i also thought it was weird um and again like this I've, I've had i've struggled with this a lot with some comics um but like if you could have i would have put in like as a stipulation be like cool wake her up for 10 minutes so i can run this past her you know what i right. mean yes. um you know you've got all these these magical powers or whatever and and you know enough to retcon my entire marriage surely you have enough juice or magic or wooj or whatever you know to to wake up my my comatose aunt and see what she thinks does she want to stay alive right right um you know and no Nobody does this, so now she's just kind of alive. <laughs> you know, maybe Aunt May doesn't want to be living with Peter, making him breakfast for the right. You know. Right. This and is why I have a DNR on file, not a do not resuscitate, a do not retcon. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I, I don't, I, there were so many things much like the previous two ones that we did that were Spider-Man. They had good, it was, it was a good idea, like a good concept that they just completely um, made terrible, like through, through uh, like bad writing or, or what have you. I, I, I just, this could have been, this could have been a cool storyline, but the fact that we don't even get to see whatever they do on their last day, what is that about also? Like, what right. is that? Like, do we just, are we to assume that they just spent that 24-hour period just banging and that's why we don't see it like i i I don't yeah (laughs) i mean i would assume that would be part of it but like uh, you know maybe not the entire day right (laughs) 
Yeah, it's just, it's weird. It, it's super, super weird. The choices that were made for it weren't great. The justifications just weren't. Yeah, this is another one that I believe that I stopped reading uh, Spider-Man for a while after this. Um, I don't understand. Because I'm, I'm also a huge fan of Peter and, and Mary Jane. Uh, when the relationship is written well, which surprisingly, for as horrible as Sin's past was in the general, <laughs> um, their interactions, Peter and MJ's interactions were probably the highlight of that book yeah for um, sure like they they very much had a, de a, a definitely like i said you know really great really wholesome clearly love and care about each other uh really good relationship right except for in phone saga where there i don't know i don't know <laughs> some things happen <laughs> there there are a lot of things that happen um so jen and then i'm gonna lay on the same question you have i read all of these before i am a huge <laughs> spider-man person um, you have sat in and audited the other two of this Spider-Man 3P. I'm not exactly sure how much you listened to, uh, but... These are all ridiculous. <laughs> okay, what's your question? Has has it changed or altered your view of Spider-Man at all, as a whole? Um, yeah, like, I think less of Peter Parker now. Um, you know, because I think that my, my limited experience with Peter Parker was that smart kid, smart young adult, you know, um, tries to do the right thing, a little naive, but, you know, heart, big heart in the right place. Um, and, you know, any time in my mind with my experience that he's been a fuck up has been like socially, but in really small gaffy ways, not like um, I'm going to make these life changing decisions that are going to fuck me and everybody I love. And after the <laughs> These, I, wow, these writers, I, I feel like someone needs to sit them down and make sure they're okay. So how do you find these as compared to, uh, I think, the only other major Spider-Man story that we read for Graphically Novel mm -hmm. was Into the Spider-Verse. Mm -hmm. And that one, I mean, it has Peter in it, but it has so many other characters. But right. Peter kind of takes the reins and is the leader Right. In that. Um, did you see a real difference? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like this, this Peter is not a lead. He's, he is self-absorbed, self-pitying, and really doesn't, I mean, he's not a superhero. He doesn't give a shit about anyone except for himself. Leah? Oof. Well, um, I stated it in one of the earlier episodes. I can't remember which one. Um, is that um, my, my big takeaway is that for a character who is almost universally beloved and marked marketed to uh, children, um, a lot of the storylines just are not like, they're not something you would give a kid. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, um, and and the ones that we have read, uh, much like Jen, I think have actually lowered my opinion of Peter Parker <laughs> because he seems to just be making the ding dong moves like every single time, even over what should be an obviously clear cut choice of like, no, we ain't going to do that. Right. Um, and like... I am I am more accustomed to um you know wise cracking heroic uh I guess younger Peter and that's the other thing too is like I, I'm I'm more accustomed to him being like a teen um right rather than an adult uh and I, I honestly think I kind of like him better as a teen than as, as an adult he kind of makes a shitty adult that's, uh, a, <laughs> that's a that's a huge difference between people that grew up in media around spider-man and people that read the comics because yeah. spider-man was only in high school Peter was was only in high school for about three years of the comics yeah uh yeah. you know and then obviously had to grow up and go to college and then further on and become an adult um so the the fact that they keep redoing peter and of course put him back in high school every time um it's kind of frustrating to us you know actual spider-man comic book fans because that's such a minuscule part of the overall and i mean now you have also miles for that um right and, and miles can take you on that journey um yeah. you know um, but yeah, it's, I don't know, revisiting these, I kind of saw, I, I just started thinking about the Spider-Man storylines I actually like that I don't own, so I can't really <laughs> just pull off the shelf and go back to. Um, like, one of my first ones was Maximum Carnage, which is very, very 90s, um, and we're oh, going to see yeah. part of kind of that story in Venom 2, because they have uh, Woody Harrelson is going to play Carnage in that. Um, yes. But it's, you know, it's it, in the whole symbiote thing, I mean, was pretty good. Like, it's hard. Like, there are parts of the symbiote thing that I'm like, man, this was pretty heavy-handed, or this 
risk was pretty ridiculous. And then I'm like, oh, fuck. But, you know, at least Gwen Stacy didn't bang Norman Osborn in it. (laughs) And at least the devil didn't take someone's marriage. And, you know, at least there were no fucking clones. (laughs) <laughs> oh uh, god yeah so all right yeah. um yeah uh that, you know what bear you you're auditing you've listened to this whole thing and said nary a word <laughs> a few here and there but so uh what do you think uh i'm just gonna file this as a way as in like this is in uh shitty spider-verse universe like x5 and just assume that there's better writing out there there sure is so uh <laughs> this or dark phoenix which do you think uh i'm not going to actually dark phoenix but it doesn't sound like i want to read this either so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna nope right the fuck out of that boat and uh i i thankfully abstain and i will look forward to me being a guest for our hulk episode which is true in um two episodes yeah are you saying there's hulk you haven't read there's hulk i haven't read yeah actually i haven't read there's quite a bit of hulk i haven't read actually yeah Yeah. there's very little i haven't seen but there's quite a bit i haven't read i mean you've gotten a lot of the uh immortal hulk because I bought a bunch for you. Oh, yeah. You yeah. bought, I yeah. think, the first three, and I bought the three after that, and yeah, it's some other miscellaneous stuff. Which, again, very good, and we'll talk about it on yes. that episode, because the Immortal Hulk may be the best Hulk comic I've ever read. Um, anyway, uh, any other final thoughts? I'm glad that we're done with Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> and what... We're we're just barreling right in though. Our only DC episode is next time. Yeah, and so I'll um, I'll get to present on that one, um, which will be a fun and exciting adventure for me, a person who uh, very studiously does not read DC comics. So this will be an, a learning experience for everyone involved. Um, and I'm actually looking forward to it. So, uh, I will warn the audience right now that, um, I don't, uh, I don't know a ton about Superman, so you're going to have to forgive me. In so what, what is the storyline that we're doing? Death of Superman. Yep. I may have to come sit in on that one too. <laughs> <laughs> Listening right. to me, your friend Leia, explain Superman. <laughs> It'll be a treat for everyone involved. <laughs> so, uh, until then... Uh, you know, uh, Jared Adam did our awesome, uh, Elvis, uh, theme song, uh, that at this point I still have not received, but I, I know what it's going to be. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And, uh, we'll see you in a few more weeks. Woo-hoo. Some deep reactions, please. All this comics narration alienating me. A little more talk, a lot less read. A little five babies of what I need. Close the trade, open up your brains. Explain it to me. Explain it to me, baby. Explain it to me. Explain it to me, baby. Explain it to me. Bettendillo 2021.